Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, this is a really, really special moment because a few months ago, I got to meet one of my brand new team members that we hired, our Paul Mitchell graduate from Paul Mitchell School, Fort Myers, and she now works at Paul Mitchell the Salon in Naples, and her name is Katie, and her mom I got to meet at graduation, and it's Sherry, and I'm sitting here with Sherry Turner, and we had dinner the night of the graduation, and I, my husband and I actually completely fell in love with her and her husband, and we just knew right away that we were going to be lifelong friends, and, and just hearing Sherry uh, just open up and her story, I knew that I had to have her on this podcast, and being that September and October is Ovarian and Breast Cancer Awareness Months, and our schools, all Paul Mitchell schools nationwide, every single year raise money for the nonprofit Bright Pink, of which many of you know that I'm an ambassador for Bright Pink. And it's, from what I know, it's the only nonprofit out there that actually helps women prevent breast and ovarian cancer. And when I had my own bout of pre-cancer uh, many years ago, I became an ambassador for Bright Pink. And so I go out and I do these workshops, uh, 30-minute workshops to help women prevent breast and ovarian cancer. And when I heard your story, Sherry, I thought I've got to tell the world about Sherry's story because you are a miracle in motion. So thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so Sherry, um, Sh Sherry Turner, she's been married to her high school sweetheart, Mac, and I just thought that was so cool. So I'm sure that has a story behind it. For 26 years, congratulations. That's incredible. You. you have two children, Bailey, 22, and Katie, of course, that I know. That's 19. Um, and you were a stay-at-home mom while keeping books for um, – your father's small business for several years along with her a personal family business of citrus grove and home rentals and i'll tell you when you guys were telling the story about the citrus grove my husband was just like all ears because he's all that's like one of his dreams <laughs> to have that to have his own farm and you wrote perhaps being a wife and mother is your most fulfilling job other ever i'm thankful for a supportive husband that has always provided financially for our family together we built a strong relationship built on faith respect and love because of my commitment to family and my availability i was able to care for my great nephew who was born with a congenital heart defect for the first two years of his life so that his mother could go back to work part-time i have also been available to help out my parents as they are aging with doctor visits and running errands yes i know all that too well right now as well and then i used to struggle with the fact that being a stay-at-home mom wasn't good enough and often beat myself for not pursuing a career however in recent years i came to realize that my calling in life was to serve others and be available to people in need of my time i am extremely blessed Wow. Okay, so that is incredible because I think that's probably the number one fallacy that women have, Sherry, of thinking that they, they should be more than a stay-at-home mom. Like, 
hello, that's the hardest job in the world. Like I couldn't even do it because I knew it was so hard. It was so mundane and, and so boring some days. And so my kids are probably listening to this saying, mom, I can't believe you're saying that, but it's true. So I applaud you for doing that. And I love that your word is serve. Yes. Too. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely my calling. I, I never, I never was bored. I never, you know, wished for anything. I just thought other people, you know, didn't think yeah. that I had accomplished much. But I always really did feel fulfilled to be able to be available. I could be mm. part of every every aspect of my children's life. You know, mm -hmm. there wasn't anything that I wasn't able to attend and help with. Yeah. And run them places, you know, and I, I wasn't spread out. You know, yeah. spread too thin. So I feel like I, I could give my whole heart. Oh, I love that. And Sherry, I had so many friends that were stay-at-home moms that I always looked up to, and, and they helped take care of my children. And I still say to today that my kids turned out good because of the babysitters, yeah. <laughs> not because of me. And I was so blessed because I had so many great people around me, like people like you that were there for me uh, to be able to help me raise my children. So I applaud you in that. Yeah. And, and I think that's a whole story in itself of just really talking about that of, you know, what is your calling and find your calling is so important because then you'll be at a place of rest, right? Exactly. And so it's interesting um, because when we were talking, um, you told me um, some really incredible stories. And I think one of the most incredible stories is the fact uh, that you were adopted. And I love that story because I feel like that your adoptive parents are heroes, but I also feel like the parents that um, that let you go, which would for you and your uh, brother yes. as well too, a separate parents, mm -hmm. um, that they're heroes they in itself. And, and being in this age and time of people really struggling, whether or not parent, you know, the parenthood uh, should exist or abortion, and they they chose not to and they chose to have you. And so you're a miracle just because you're alive, first I, of all. I agree. And you were adopted. And I love your story. Tell, tell a little bit, little bit about that journey for you. Um, I was adopted um, as an infant. I believe I was probably like two, three weeks old when I was brought home Beautiful. to my, my um, mm -hmm. mom and dad. And it was through an adoption agency. So, you know, they never met the, the biological mother, but people often ask when I was told that I was adopted, and the funny thing is I'm never, I don't remember a day, it was just always something that she had taught, you know, taught, told us, and I think she started at an age that she maybe didn't even realize that we understood it, but she told it and talked about it often until it was just part of who we were and she told us that she didn't know why you know God didn't allow her to carry us but she felt very strongly and this is I was born in 1970 and my brother was like three years before me but she felt as if God had planted their seed and he, you know, he, into another woman, and she carried them for her and my father. 
and it just totally made sense to me. I mean, yeah. it wasn't, you know, anything. I don't even know if the in vitro and, and all this was even around, even around yeah. at that time. Right. But that's how she fully believed it, that we were meant to be wow. their children. Beautiful. And I always felt that. And I, we did. We were raised in a nurturing, very supportive Christian home that we never lacked for any, you know, attention or love or anything. So I was very secure in the fact that I was chosen yes. by God, handpicked parents Yes. that, you know, just did a great job, I feel, you know. Mm. I know as parents we all know think we could do something, maybe did something a little different, but I I'm very thankful that yeah. my parents were who they were. Yeah, and, and, and I love are. the fact that you, I love your verbiage of that hand-picked. And, and so I feel like there may be someone listening here because I've met some people that were adopted or that didn't know their, you know, their parents and wanted to find out later. And you said you didn't even want to find out who your mom was and it wasn't even, like, part of that. Do you want to explain that a little bit and why? Um, yeah, I, I think... A lot of it does go back to my security, you know, of, of being just secure with my mm -hmm. mom and dad. I didn't lack for any, you know, any kind of attention or I didn't feel like I was missing anything. But I also had a deep loyalty and love for my or my, my adoptive parents mm -hmm. that I think deep inside I didn't want to, to make them feel as if I was lacking their their love or anything but honestly I didn't I wasn't in any kind of a desire to search for it so um I I do feel like you know God just maybe took that desire away from me I don't know but I do I think I, I also told you that I kind of would like to have seen what she looked like Mm -hmm. from a distance, right. you know, without her even knowing who I was. But if I could say something to her, it would have been, thank you for mm. what you did for me, for giving me a good life and that, you know, I had the best parents and you would be proud. That, yeah. would, that would be what I would say to her. Wow. It, that is so powerful. And, and maybe she is listening right now and able to hear this and, and that you can say thank you. And I think that's just so beautiful, Sherry. And, and you know, as I think about that, I, I think this is going to be called Be Secure. I think this message is Be Secure. And, and so I think there's been some steps in your life that has given you that security. And, and so, first of all, you were secure in your decision to marry your husband. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you made that okay. choice, and he was your high school sweetheart. So let's, let's back up a minute. How did you two meet, and why did you decide to get married? Um, we were seniors in high school, but we grew up in a small town. Yeah, you're from, are you, were you, are you from Arcadia? Yes. Okay, yes. so and you still live so in Arcadia. a very small rural town. And your accent, is that from Arcadia? It is. Okay. It's, yes. I'm a I know Katie Floridian has one. It's very strong, but 
Yes. yes I've never lived Inland anywhere Inland Florida has that accent, that southern accent, because I know my, uh, actually my editor of this podcast, Mary Catherine, is my daughter-in-law, and she's from Leland, Florida, okay. and she has an accent as well, too. Okay. It's just really cute. <laughs> we tease Thank her. <laughs> yes. No, yeah, most people can't believe I am from Florida. They, they yeah. put me... Tennessee or something. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, because you don't think of Florida that way because we all think of the tourism, right? right. The people that are from Michigan, like me, yes. are down there to get the warm weather. Right. So so but you meet in high school, you're in. We did, and, but we actually, we were in fifth grade together. Oh, my goodness. Um, But I was so shy. I mean, mm. yeah, I would be one of those that would just kind of hide. And, and my dad was a barber in town wow so i was raised in the barber shop so i would go to the barber shop after school and you know some of the school boys would come in and i would immediately run to the back of the 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 barber shop you know in the the Funny. back room and they had like a little privacy glass and i could look out and see when you know i wanted to go out when they left but anyway <laughs> my dad usually would call me out there to sweep mm -hmm. the floor or something but his mom said that when she would go in there she would say, that little girl is pretty. That's who, you know, that oh, you need to, his, she needs to be your his girlfriend. Mom. Yes. Wow. <laughs> See, moms know best. <laughs> yes. So, I agree. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, all these years went away, mm -hmm. and really we weren't, you know, like friends. We, you know, because I was very shy. But our senior year, it just happened. We were, we went to a football game, you know, separate. And after the game, we just all kind of congregated and, he was there, and we just kind of talked a little, and he asked me out on a date. We went out the very next night, and it's never been, Aww. we've been together ever since. Wow. Ever wow. Yes. And, and 26 years married. We did. Wow. So, yeah, we, we dated for, let's see, that was in uh, 1987 that we met. Mm. And we got, were married in 1993. Wow, so, that's beautiful. How did you know that? He, how were? How did you know that he was the one? Oh, uh, I don't know. Just he was very. He, I mean, he respected me. He was loving. Just mm -hmm. I don't know. He was yeah. just compassionate. Um, just everything you could want you know I mean it wasn't yeah he, w he was you know we did fun things together there was never any we didn't have to try to make things work it right. just kind of all fit together mm -hmm. you know it wasn't like a, a relationship that we were having to break up and get back together or even talk about breaking up we yeah. just always there was no drama there in the relationship. No. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. When I met my husband, he was uh, kind of one of the first guy that I didn't play games with. You know, you right. know what I mean yeah, by there games. Was no you game know, playing. Yeah, game playing where you're we're kind of pretending like you don't like each other, and then pretend like you like each other, and then kind of you know like fights exactly. and drama. It's the first guy, and and I feel the same way. And I was secure in my decision because you just know because you, you just fit together. So I think just making that secure decision. And then how did you know uh, at that point that your calling was to be a stay-at-home mom? So how, how, did, how, how did you become well, secure in that decision? I, I mean, I, I did, I went to, I was actually, 
I have my um, two-year degree. I was getting my AA degree, and mm-hmm. I was almost finished when we were, I, I was, I think it was like my last semester, and I just went to a, the community college in right. our town, and didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, like in our town, it's kind of like there's not a lot of job opportunities, you know, that if yeah. you want to stay there. So it's like, do you want to be a teacher, a nurse? You know, just yeah. kind of those basic things. Well, I thought, okay, maybe I'll be a teacher. But deep inside, I I didn't really feel that passion. Mm. And I, and so I did, I commuted back and forth to Sarasota and even take, took a class or two in Tampa. And it just, it just didn't feel right. I don't know. Mm. It just wasn't, it wasn't my passion. So... I did choose to, to, to not go to school. And um, I told my mom that I didn't want to be a teacher without that calling because I have had a couple teachers in my, you know, all of my life that I could tell they didn't want to be there. Yeah. You know, it wasn't where mm-hmm. they should have been. And it made me not like school. And I didn't want to to be leave that impression on any kind of child you know I wanted them to have a love for learning and love to be there and I feel as if you want to be a teacher a hairstylist if you want to be a a nurse you have to love what you do Mm -hmm. and I so I took part-time jobs I mean I was even a receptionist in a salon I I worked for um our town has a big cattle market, so I worked in the office, like inf- data, putting data and inf- information in. And then when I had children, it was just kind of, mm-hmm. it was just kind of a no-brainer, you know. I was gonna stay home and raise them yeah. myself. Yeah, that's incredible. So uh, what I'm hearing you say, Sherry, is to be secure, you have to follow your heart. And I love that you. Um, always stay true to that. You really follow your heart and all the decisions that you've made, which I think is absolutely incredible. And when I think about you not wanting to uh, get a hold of your your uh, birth mother, which I think is really, really honorable on your part, Sherry, because I think about it, it's kind of like God is a jealous God, right? Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't want us to have any other God's you know, before him, whether it's your job, uh, materialism, or other people uh, that you shouldn't have in your life, right? And so think about, it's kind of like our parents, you know, so could you imagine if my children wanted a different parents, they wanted different parents, you know? And so I would be jealous of that, same as God is jealous for us. And so I really love the fact, the first word that came out of your mouth about um, choosing your husband is that you had mutual respect for one yes. another. To be secure, you have to have respect. And and so the fact that you're living your life that way and continue to respect and honor uh, your, your parents yes. that adopted you, I think is just really, really beautiful. And then it, 2018 comes around. Tell the story what happened. Um, well, it was... Uh I think it was in May of 2018, I was having a lot of lower back problems, especially on my right side, and I 
I'm not unfamiliar with having, you know, back issues. I, I go to the chiropractor, to a massage therapist, you know, regular, and it's always been fixed and everything was okay. But this time it was several trips, and I want to say it, was, it went on for probably three or four months, and I was noticing there wasn't much change, you know, in the, the pain. Um, when I would go to my massage therapist, it would go away for almost a week and this one particular um, morning I was recognizing that the pain was starting to come back and I laid in bed and I thought I have to find out where the source of this pain is coming from and because it wasn't radiating through my back at that time but it, I could tell it was starting so I really focused where the pain was starting at, and I felt it in my right groin area. And of course, I, I like to, to Google, and I did, <laughs> so I Googled, you know, what could be a cause of pain in the groin area. And of course, it gave several different things, but the one, you know, the thing that stood out to me was I needed to make an appointment with my gynecologist, and I did, um, immediately, I, I picked up the phone, made an appointment. Um, I was seen, you know, within a, within the week, and um, he could feel the cyst. And so I had a, an ultrasound done, and the cyst was a complex cyst. And he um, immediately he he wanted to to give me a. Um, a blood test that would um, test the proteins in my, um, my blood and see if they were elevated, which would indicate cancer. And that test was a CA-125. That was the name of that blood test. Um, now, I was also told by a family member that's a doctor that, you know, those tests are not real reliable and that if it comes back elevated, it can indicate cancer, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it would be cancer and vice versa. The, it could come back low, indicating there is no cancer, but yet it could come back cancerous. So anyway, we, we followed the procedure and it did come back that it indicated I had no cancer. So he knew we needed to remove the ovary with that cyst on it. So we scheduled surgery and he felt confident enough to, to do the surgery himself. And um, uh, so he did and um, that was done in July of 2018. And you know, two or three days later, I got the phone call that it was in fact ovarian cancer. And, and they knew when they went in and took the cyst out at that time that it was in the ovary. Oh, yes. Yeah. They knew mm -hmm. with the ultrasound that, you know, he knew yeah. he had to, to, to remove it. Um, and, you know, when I got the phone call, it, and it was, I think it was on a Monday morning, I want to say. But, um, and it was odd because my kids were, they were both there. And, you know, it was during business hours. And my husband, I think it was close to lunchtime because mm -hmm. he came home for lunch and my son was there, my daughter was there, 
And it, my heart immediately dropped because the phone call wasn't telling me I had ovarian cancer. They just says the doctor wants to see you tomorrow. Wow. And, you know, it's you usually knew. whenever, mm-hmm. it's usually no news is good news. So right. I knew when he wanted to see me, it, it yeah. wasn't going to be good. And, mm-hmm. of course, you know, tears flowed and my husband tried to console me and say, you know, don't don't fret because you don't know. You don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't know that this is what it is. But, I, you know, of course I felt certain. And we did go to the doctor the next day. And, in fact, he told me. It was ovarian cancer, so we had to to schedule the surgery, in which he did do in July. And um, I had to recover six weeks of recovery time. Right. You know, of before anything could be done. But once they told me I had it, we knew another surgery had to be done to take the other ovary out. Right. And he, I mean, he did check while he was in there, you know, to make sure there wasn't a cyst on that ovary. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, it all looked good. Um, he kind of looked in my abdomen. Everything looked okay. So he felt, he felt pretty confident himself. And I did too, you know. Yeah. And, um, and it was just um, knowing I had to recover from that. And yet prepare for another surgery yeah you know and that surgery like was having three different right. hysterectomies basically is what you yeah. had because you first you had a partial right in hysterectomy. 2015 yeah in 2015 and then here you are having another basically hysterectomy of one of the ovaries right. and now it's like so three hysterectomies yeah that those are major surgeries yeah it, wow it was yeah it was hard but i um i did have the the other um, cysts moved by a gynecological oncologist. I think so that's for the third time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay. He did that, and he staged, you know, the cancer at that time when he removed that the second ovary. And um, yeah. So I had another six weeks of recovery before they could start chemo. Okay. And of course, when when he. Um, and that's because it was stage three. It was ovarian stage, cancer. Stage so it's diagnosed. And what is, do you know specifically what that means when they say say stage three? Um, they say once it is outside of your pelvic area okay. and it goes into your abdomen. Okay. It's automatically a stage three or mm-hmm. a stage four. Right. Right. So I guess depending on how severe, you know, yeah. how much it is in your abdomen, it depends I you know on if right. it's a four or whatever but yeah, yeah I was taken sense. back because I really because of my blood test not indicating it and even the yeah. cat scan that they did before my second surgery mm. because he needed to know like what it was kind of like a map used as a map to know where they were going to go in and and take like lymph nodes out because they're you know you have lymph nodes on the back of your in your on your back Right. And so he needed to use that as a map to see. And even the CAT scan was not showing up. Right. The yeah, cancer. there's no test that can diagnose ovarian cancer. There's not. Yeah, it's, there's no test out there, not yet anyway. And so that's what we really, really need to pray for, that there becomes a test because it's known as a silent killer. Yes. Two out of three women die from it because the symptoms are so vague. And so what I find 
really amazing, Sherry, is the fact that you were listening to your body. And that's exactly what I train women to do. Like, don't ignore your body. Most people do, and they just, you know, like, just slough it off. Like, oh, it's, I'm yeah. probably having menopause or something. Something's going on right. that's normal, right? And, and, in fact, when I was diagnosed with mine, uh, God put me in front of a woman that ended up, she was, um, she had an 8-year-old and 11-year-old uh, child at the time. She was in her 30s, and she was diagnosed with stage 4 ovarian cancer. And she didn't do the hysterectomy that the doctor recommended. And because of that, it ended up spreading throughout her body, and she died within four years. And, and it was because there was no symptoms. She didn't have any pain at all. Yeah. Absolutely not. So the symptoms are super, super vague, like you were kind they of are. mentioning. They weren't, you know, really, really big right. symptoms. But you were listening to that still small voice saying, I need to do something. And I tell women, know your body know your normal because then you'll be in a place to know what's not normal and that's exactly right. what you did and, and I feel like that's what saved you. I think that whenever the pain is persistent, you know, it's not something you have pain for two or three days and it goes away. It's mm -hmm. persistent, you cannot ignore it. Yes. On anything on your body, mm -hmm. you have to you can't you can't allow denial to yeah. to take over. Don't deny. Do not deny. Do not deny. What was the symptoms? What was the pain? Uh, do you recall what it was that you were having? It was just a. I mean, it like wasn't a cramping. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. Okay. It, it, in, in fact, it was. I didn't feel no it. No cramping. I did not feel it in my groin area mm -hmm. until, it's. You know, like I said, when I went to my massage therapist, for some reason, it would kind of subside a little bit. I'm not saying it totally went away. Wow. But it gave me a it gave me some relief. Yeah. And when I started feeling it coming back and I really focused on where this pain was coming, you know, before it was getting more intense in my back, that's when I pinpointed it. It wasn't coming from my groin area. Right. But before that, whenever the pain did intensify, it wasn't, you know, excruciating. It was just kind of a a, a nagging. Right. It was just nagging. Wow. You know, and it, something that you think a massage therapist could take care of, and you could have just kept going back to the right. massage therapist and the chiropractor, but you said no. Well, my gynecologist, listen. which I've, he, I mean, he delivered both of my children, so I've been yeah. going to him a long time. I mean, he so has he told me you. multiple times that I have a very high pain tolerance, which oh, isn't always yeah. the best right. either. No, exactly. Because I'm, you know, the type that I will live with, pain for a while before I even take an yeah. Advil. I think that's so common in women. I really do. You know, the more women that I talk to, they have a really high pain tolerance. And so that that's just really amazing because I remember when I went to my doctor and I had a complex atypical, you know, uh, lesion on my uterus. And he said, yeah, we need to do, uh, at the very least, I ended up doing the full hysterectomy to prevent ovarian cancer at that point. But, uh, but it was interesting because he said, I asked him, because he didn't tell me to do the surgery right away. And I said, well, how long do I have to do the surgery? Because I'm pretty busy. I had a lot of speaking engagements going on. And he said, I wouldn't wait longer than three months. Wow. 
and I cancel all my speaking engagements that year. And and so it's interesting that he knew how quickly this can spread. Right. And so even a precancerous lesion to a cancerous lesion. And so being able to just really listen to your body, but ask the right questions too. Ask the doctor the right, right. questions and and get advice. And I think it goes back to you have to put yourself first before yes. all the busyness of life. You know, I mean, we we do have to take care of ourselves. Wow, I love that you said that because I think that's part of the security is putting yourself first before the busy, busyness of life. Like, that's an incredible quote, Sherry, because we don't do that, we as women. No. So how do you do that? What is one of the best pieces of advice that you have to put yourself first? How do, how do you make that happen? <laughs> well, that is hard because I was a stay-at-home mom. So, you know, I was the, the mom that you, you cook supper and you're the last mm -hmm. one. You make sure everybody else has plenty to eat before yes. you get your plate. You know, I was the last one in the house to get my shower or my soaking bath at night, you know, just yes. for my quiet time. And so it, I, we as women do put ourselves last. Yes. And most, you know, those are just simple things. And no matter how many chores I had to do at home, I always seemed to put my children's needs or my husband's before mine because if I had to stay up all night or whatever, late at night to get mm -hmm. mine done, that's what I would do. Yeah. So I'm not saying I was the best at that, but this really has taught me how mm. important it is to, to not put things off. And it's important in, in other ways, you know, like spiritually, we can't, we can't put others before God we have to to take that time, you know, for ourselves, no matter when it is, whether it's mm -hmm. first thing in the morning, whether it's at night, whether it's in the car that we talked about without yes. the radio on, mm -hmm. and just your communication with God during that time is so critical. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, reading his word is is a must also but we have to find time and put that as a priority i love that and i do want to talk about that um, because i think that's part of your security advice is conversations with god and, and we're going to talk about this and so you're you're diagnosed with this with this uh, stage three cancer and now he says you have to have chemo yes what went through your mind oh i was fear i had mm -hmm. a, i had fear uh, i'm scared you know i was scared to death chemo you don't hear anything great about it I you know and I was fearful you know am I going to to live to see my children you know get married mm -hmm. and have children I wasn't ready to, to to be taken away so I was flooded I think the enemy mm -hmm. really did a number on me with fear doubt um confusion um com being did I you know did I pick the right doctor you know di or did my doc my gynecologist send me to the best like is he the one that I'm supposed to go to and then people would often give me their advice you know like hey you should try going here you should try doing this and I know it was out of love 
right. totally out of mm-hmm. love. But at that time, I could not really take many decisions. You know, I, it was yeah. just I was wanting to hibernate and not, not really even talk to people because I had to get all this. You had to focus. Focus. Yeah. And, and the only one that could help me was God. Yeah. And so I really took... Um, and, and going back to my bio that you read of having a supportive husband that, I mean, literally, he's always been supportive of anything I've ever wanted to do. And he is financially, you know, financially I was able to stay at home and he supported me 100% and said, look, you know, the, the, I was working at the, the cattle market, the auction, it was just one day a week, but it was just kind of my getaway to, mm-hmm. you know, be with, with around people. And he says, you need to, to quit that because you're going to have to go through chemo. And it was just the best time because it, I had time to focus on me mm-hmm. spiritually, physically, mentally. And I would just pour hours, literally yeah. hours of time um, praying I would read the Bible. I would watch YouTube. You know, I would watch sermons. I would listen to to songs. I would listen to testimonies of people to just strengthen my my faith and to help me to change my outlook on life um, because I tend yeah talk tended, about that. I, I I had a tendency to. I had a great life. I did a, a great parents, great mm-hmm. husband, but I just had that tendency to be negative and worry a lot. Yeah. So I. Where do you think that came from? Well, my mom said it. She well, she wasn't negative at all. Yeah. She, she was she was an optimistic person, but the worry, mm-hmm. she said, came from her. But I never knew she worried until just recently mm-hmm. with her having some health issues the worry really kicked in, so I became her, wow. her, her life coach, you know, nice. and t- trying to, but yeah. she told me that she was a worrier, but I don't remember, and maybe I did, you know, subconsciously see her worrying, but I don't remember it, but I, I was a worrier, so God, I mean, he's, he's used several different, you know, little things in my life to teach me you're not in control. Yeah. You have to give it to me. You have to trust me. And of course, I was stubborn and I, you know, would hold on as long as I could and when I was just totally exhausted and tired of going, I would just throw my hands up and say, "Okay, God." Yeah. If I give it to you. Mhm. I mean, he's all knowing. He's our he is our creator. And he knows the beginning to the end. Yeah. And why I would try to put him in a box mm. and mm-hmm. and limit him. You know, Ooh. it yeah. was just, it kind of, it, it became um, a revelation to me with the cancer diagnosis that it didn't matter how much worrying I did. It didn't matter really what doctor I went to, I mean, going to the right doctor that you feel secure with is very important, Mm -hmm. but 
the medicine, the doctors, the worry, none of that was going to, to change the outcome. It was God. Yeah. And he was going to have to give me peace, and he was going to have to give me strength to get me through this raging sea that I felt like I was in. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was in a raging sea. I did, and he was there to take my hand and save me and to to walk and guide me through the journey that I had to go through, and and he did. He was my refuge, and he was my strength. Yeah, let's, I want to talk about seeking the peace here in a moment, and and, uh, when did you, uh, of course, I'm in the hair industry, so when did you lose your hair, and I know Katie, she got to, she actually shaved your head. That had to be so hard for her. Oh, she at um, at first she told me, you know, Mom, I don't think I can do that. No, but um, and it, and losing my hair, it was inevitable. They, you know, I knew I was gonna lose it, so I did. I went through. I had you know like shoulder length hair, and then I mm-hmm. I went ahead of time to get it cut into more like a pixie cut. Yeah. That way, when I did begin to lose it, it wasn't like long strands of hair. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, Katie, you know, had started the Paul Mitchell School about yeah. the same time that I um, actually had my first surgery. I put the surgery oh, off like another okay. week because I didn't want to have my surgery on the same day because he did surgery on Mondays. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to start do my surgery the same day she started school. Wow. So I asked them wow. if they would postpone it, you know, like another week. Right. So as I, I had my surgery, went through my recovery, well, in that time period, she was in the first part of the program, which was, what is that called, core? Yeah, core, yes. So mm-hmm. she was in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so it was going to kind of work out close. It was going to be close that I was going to start chemo, and they told me, you know, I would lose my hair I think it was like approximately 14 days or, or something. And so I scheduled an appointment with her because she was going to start on the floor. I mean, like, right about that time. Wow. So we just, I just told her, I just want you to cut it. Even though it was already a pixie, I was just going to let her kind of cut it like a punky look and even mm-hmm. put some kind of a wild color in it. Yeah. Just for fun. Right. Because I knew, because that's not me. Right. But I knew that... <laughs> that it was going to be falling out within, you know, just a few days. And it actually fell out, I think it was on day 13. Wow. So it was the day before, it was the day before I had an appointment to go see her. And, I mean, I just cried because I wasn't going to get to to have that experience with, with Katie. Yeah. At the at So the, it just started the, falling out? So you're... Well, oh yeah, I went. I was taking hands. a shower. Well, wow. I kind of was um, fluffing my hair. I kind of was doing it over the sink, and there was some hair kind of falling out. What was that out. like? Watching your hair fall out. What was going through I don't your know. mind? It, I mean, honestly, it really didn't. You were prepared. Did, I did, did I you did, like prepare your heart? Like, have you? Are you the type of person that's attached to no. your hair? So no. it didn't mean much to you to lose your hair. Because I, I would didn't. say most women, and I know right. myself, you know, I would be like, man, let's go buy a wig right now and be right. prepared, right? I, I, <laughs> but you didn't do I that. I am not, I don't know, I just don't get attached 
to spend. I mean, not that your hair is materialistic. How do you do that? Like, how, how do you do that? Because I, I, I think I'm in the hair industry, so obviously anyone that we do their hair, they're attached to their hair, yeah. well, right? I, well, for one thing, I knew it was going to come back. You, you know, just knew it was coming back. I knew it was yeah. going to come back. You know, like it's, no it's kind of like somebody says, you know, okay, you can cut it however you want, but it's, it's going to yeah. grow back. Well, my hair was going to fall out. I was going to be bald, but in order to 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 begin the healing process, I had to get rid of negative thoughts, and I had to get positive thoughts. But that's easier said than done yes. if that's not your nature. Right. So I... Like I said, I mean, I did. I prayed, and I read my Bible. But it's easy to say, you know, you read the Bible. Like, where do you open it up and start to read? So I would watch YouTube sermons, and I did. I, I listened to, and I don't even think I listened to her before that, but it was Joyce Meyer. Yeah. And it was, she does a lot, you know, about the, the mind. Yeah. And so, I i mean, I immersed myself in watching these videos. And, I mean, I would turn to my Bible when she would say the scriptures. And, you know, a lot of times I would keep reading, reading further. I would take notes. I mean, I was sitting in my chair recovering, just taking loads of notes. And I don't know, just in the process of it, God was just kind of working through me and showing me how to... To change. I, I mean, it, of course, I didn't do it in my own power. He gave me. He gave me the strength to do it because I mean. That was my life. I mean, I was forty-eight years old, and that's that's how I lived my life. That was it, yeah. you know. And I wow. watched the, you know, about being having gratitude. And, you know, I thought. Before, when I would hear people talk, I thought, how could you thank God that, you know, you have cancer? How could you praise God for that? But I didn't, you know, praise God at the time that I had cancer, but I was able to look at all the things that I w was blessed with. You right. know, like, right. I, was, I was blessed to have a husband that was supportive. I was mm -hmm. blessed that financially I was able to stay home and take care of me. Yeah, you know, the spiritual part, the the physical part, you know, and like I said, I was thankful for my hearing, my eyesight, my hands that I was able to walk. I was thankful that my kids were healthy, and they were on their path to making their life, you know, what they want it to be, and it just it began to snowball. I mean, it just, I could wrote pages and pages of things to be thankful for. And it just put a whole nother perspective and a focus. The focus was no longer negative. It was positive. Yeah. And so I began to do that, you know, every day, just thanking mm -hmm. him. I mean, even sitting outside and hearing the birds, I mean, thank you yeah. that I have hearing, that I can hear that beautiful sound of mm -hmm. the birds chirping, you know, and it, just to think of his creation and the detail and the wisdom that he had to put all of it together with a word. He spoke a word, and it just, I don't know, so I, just became, I just became overwhelmed. 
mm. overwhelmed by wow. his by his his grace and mercy and just thankful for everything and it and then as I progressed through the treatments I began to see the real change in my life mm. and I was able to at that time thank God for the cancer because yeah. it really did change my life wow wow it's so interesting that we're talking about this Sherry because um, I feel like I have too much of a critical spirit, too much of a complaining spirit. God's been dealing that with me. And it's so crazy because um, I just felt I was, I took a really cool uh, course this past weekend. It was through our church and it was called Outpouring Conference. And one of the speakers was the pastors of this church that was putting on this conference and they just wrote a book. It's already just reading the book and seeing the devastating effects it actually has on your body and how it can destroy organs, you know, uh, just the negative yes. thoughts and everything. Um, so I'm really interested to dive more into right. the seven day that they have the ideas. But And I love the fact that you said uh, to replace the negative thoughts with positive thoughts, you, you just kept having constant gratitude. I do. You know, more and more, you know, when I'm, I'm teaching uh, a lot of motivational classes, a lot of leadership classes, and people are always searching for happiness, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like people are searching for the wrong thing, you know, because God's not Santa Claus, you know, he's not just delivering gifts, yeah. right? He's not Santa Claus, but really what we should be searching for is that true peace. And I love what you said earlier, uh, to be secure, you have to be whole. You have to be whole. So, you know, physically and spiritually, right? Mm -hmm. And to be whole. And that the only way you can be whole is to have a relationship with God. Right, that That's intimate right. relationship. And I think a lot of people say, well, I have a relationship. I go to church every Sunday. But not one time did you say you built that relationship by going to church. You said that you, in the privacy of your own home and the quietness right. of being alone with him, and you spent hours I with did. him. Because you wanted to. You want to be in the presence of somebody right. that you absolutely love and instead of saying, well, I have to do this. I'm going to you know, read the Bible for five minutes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but you wanted and there, it. And there's times whenever you are in desperation that when you do cry out to God, there's, there's hardly any words that you can even say to him. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are so, so good. overwhelmed by whatever it is, fear or, or you, you don't even know how to express yeah. your, your anxieties or, or, you know, your concerns to God. But he knows. He knows our thoughts. And just to say, you know, Lord, I need you. Yeah. I, I've, I've experienced it, so I know it to be true. Yeah. I do. And he, he loves us more than any love that we... Yeah. could ever fathom as much as we love our children as much as we love our parents he loves us greater than that love could ever could ever be reached i mean he he loves us that much i mean he sent his son for us mm -hmm. and he sent his holy spirit to abide with us when when he mm -hmm. you know when Jesus ascended to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us, to direct us, and to be our helper. Yeah. 
in every day mm-hmm. life. I love that. Um, and I love sitting here talking to Sherry because I know the love that you feel from God right now. You have tears, and it's just beautiful to see that because that's the only way you know that somebody truly, genuinely feels this, right, too. And God wants us to feel those emotions, and I think it's beautiful. And so so what we talked about was uh, to be secure, which is very, very important to be secure, is to be successful, right? So number one, follow your heart, follow your passions, uh, be loyal, uh, listen to your body, uh, listen to the helper. We talked about that. The helper is the Holy Spirit. Listen to the helper. We all have that still small voice inside of us, and that's the Holy Spirit that God freely gives. That's like our gift that we have because he's not here with us. So it's it's as if he is with us because he gives us the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. right here. Yes. And he's right in this room. I can feel that yes. right now. I can feel the Holy Spirit. And, and put yourself first, right? And I think of God's greatest commandments that we have, you know, and and the greatest commandment, of course, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Yes. And I feel that so much with you, Sherry, which is so beautiful. And but also to love your neighbor as yourself. And so meaning you've got to love yourself. So you ha- in order to love other people, you've got to love yourself. You can't continue to serve, 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 right? Right. And so because you can't yes. give what you don't have. Exactly. So take care of yourself and listen to your body. If, if, and the next one is um, to replace negative thoughts with positive thoughts. And you did that through gratitude. Um, and you did that through being silent. And I love that because that's another step. Just be silent and just listen. You don't even have to talk to God. <laughs> you can just be silent. And he'll speak to you and you hear his voice. And sometimes you and I talked about it. It's in the car. Yes. You know, you hear him in the car and don't get all freaked out over, we were talking about this yesterday, don't get freaked out over all the traffic. Like, use that as an opportunity to be alone with God. And so I feel like so many people, Sherry, just just put the spiritual on the back burner. But we're spiritual human beings. We cannot deny that. There's something deep down in our soul that longs for a Savior, there's something deep yeah. down inside. And so just just release that. Get rid of I love that you said so many people are hard-hearted and hard-headed. Mm-hmm. Like, release that. You have to have God to help you and to shed light in areas of your life that you do struggle with. I mean, mm-hmm. he did it. He, he still does. I mean, we're far from perfect. He, mm-hmm. he sheds light into my life a lot of times. You know, like, Sherry, you're not... You're not doing this, you know, the way that I want you to. And, you know, you need to do a better job. And I think as we're open to to being um, uh, molded, I kind yes, of think, yeah, yeah, open to being molded. And, we are. If we're, when yeah. we're open for him to, to, to make mm-hmm. a change in us and to be molded into who he wants us to be, it, it's, it makes life just it just makes it click makes it, it really more fun does. too it, it, it gives you that and that it, full happiness that we're it talking gives you about a joy the true, yes. true joy yes true joy it does it really yeah. does and you know just it's like the relationship with like our husbands it's it doesn't take a lot of hard work when it's meant to be when you can be yes. yourself and they can be their self 
the, the friendship, the, the relationships with your husband and, and others, it, it just all fits together like a puzzle when it all, there's no work involved in it. And yeah. some people may think that that's not possible, but it is. Yeah. It yeah, is. That's, that's beautiful. I, I agree. I think when we are secure, we're in a place of uh, choosing people who are secure as well as well too so i love that yes. and god and he and he puts people in our lives at the right time yes mm-hmm. and i truly believe that his mm-hmm. timing is perfect yeah so he he knows he knows we just have to trust him yeah i love that yeah and he put your my you you in my yes. life and i'm very grateful for that yeah, sherry I'm so thank so you thankful. and i just love katie she's such a really sweet light that we have in the salon as well too so we're so glad to have her as a future partner Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.